With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 134 of the Talking Friars podcast, Talking Friars YouTube show. Ben Fadden, your host here on, I am, it's 12.30 a.m. on the East Coast right now. That's where I am right now, uh, but it's 9.30 back home in San Diego, so I hope that you're joining me uh, after watching or listening to Jesse and Tony, uh, the Padres spring training tie against the Los Angeles Dodgers. For the podcast audience, you're probably listening to this, I would guess, on uh, Saturday morning, uh, so welcome on in as well. Shout out to everyone watching, listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, watching live. Uh, again, a lot of people want the Super Chats to happen. It needs to be get to, I think, 1,000 subscribers for that to happen. So let's get those numbers up for those that want that you know, aspect, that feature uh, to come into play. I uh, appreciate everyone for joining. This episode is sponsored by Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Subs. Located in Sports Arena, Point Loma, those are their two main shop locations, and then also at Petco Park. Starting April 14th, the home opener against Matt Olson and the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Kirby Yates is also on the Braves, I believe, as well. Uh, so Gaglione Bros, upper deck, down the third baseline by the Bally Sports San Diego broadcast booth, the pre- and post-game show booth. Uh, garlic fries stand also on field level. Uh pretty much right behind home plate, right by the step, the main entrance steps. Um, so check them out, gaglionbros.com, to view their entire menu. we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we have the new Padres slogan. Looks like it's been leaked. Uh, Emilio Pagan made some comments in a Q&A to Dennis Lynn, and I'll have, I have a video breakdown for anyone that missed it that I posted earlier today. I'll be talking about that. I'll be playing that. Uh, about Pagan's struggles last year and what you know led to them and why he struggled, especially in that Dodger game where he gave up three home runs. Uh, you know, in September, late September, I think it was September 29th. So we'll get into that as well. Obviously, the Padres' fifth starter spot 
uh, competition heating up with Gore and Nick Martinez. Chris Paddock, Paddock and Martinez pitched today. Again, I'm recording this on Friday, uh, at least West Coast time, Friday, March 25th. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Corey Alfaro continuing to mash baseballs. Austin Nola homering earlier today. Um, so again, just giving a little bit of time to put everyone here uh, watching live on YouTube into the chat. And then we'll get going here, starting with the uh, Padres slogan. Ryan says, what's up? Fort Myers, Florida. All right, so you are on the East Coast time as well. Already Saturday morning for East Coast, guys. What's up, Ryan? I hope you're doing well. Eric Van Geek seems says seems like we just need that one outfielder and we are set. I don't know about set, but you know it, it would feel better to have uh, a uh, better left fielder. That's that's for sure. Ryan, hope you can mention that Myers can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag right now. That's true. He struck out. I, I know at least once today. Once today, I don't think he has a hit yet. I think I saw on Twitter that Grisham and Myers have combined for one hit this spring training so far. But it is also spring training, so you don't want to take too much from it. He hasn't had that many at-bats yet, but yeah, it's definitely off to a rough start. Erie also says, uh, looks like A.J. Preller guessed right with Alfaro, fingers crossed. It does look like that. We'll get into that later tonight as well. Uh, yeah. He's already hit three home runs. He looks really, really good. Uh, but Bob Melvin, like, and I'll get into that as well, doesn't seem like he wants him in left field. So and it, it would look like that Austin Nola would be the starting catcher. So it's just a matter of where he gets the at-bats if he continues to hit this well. If he continues to hit this well, then it's, almost, it's like he has to have those at-bats. So we'll see. What's up, Randall? Hope you're doing well. All right, let's get right into it. So... Padres fan at Nikki PB posted a picture yesterday of the Petco Park Jumbotron last night, and it had what looks like to be the new Padres slogan, uh, quote, time to shine, end quote. That's like their, the new slogan that they put on the Jumbotron. And from left to right in the image, it had uh, Jake Cronenworth, Joe Musgrove, Fernando Tatis Jr., you Darvish, Manny Machado, and Blake Snell on there. Uh, so that seems like the new slogan. Uh, I think I like it more than Hungry for More. Especially, obviously, that doesn't work this year because you, you're not coming off like a playoff appearance and you're hungry for more wins and get farther into a you know into the playoffs. You, you get to make the playoffs this year. Let's start with that, and then we can build off that once they get into the playoffs, uh, get into October. Uh, so, Time to Shine, I know not many people, it seemed like, really like that slogan. Obviously, in the comments, let me know if you like that slogan, Time to Shine. I don't think it's that bad. I think it is the time to shine for the Padres. It is the time to win for the Padres. Uh, you know, all the resources that A.J. Preller has put into this team and all the trades he's made, all the additions he's made, uh, the money that Peter Seidler has, uh, you know, approved Preller to spend, regardless of if it was an overpay, or if it was not, uh, they, they're putting the resources in, they're adding the players, they're adding all these stars. You know, I mentioned it, you know, a few episodes earlier, what's the point of having Bob Melvin and Tatis in his prime and Manny in his prime and Grisham, you know, not making too much money uh, and Cronenworth not making too much money and, you know, having Mackenzie Gore pitch really well 
and at least considering him on the roster and adding all of these resources, what's the point of that if you're not going to win right now? Like 2022, that was the uh, that was like the real start window time, right? That was the, that was the start of the win the real window for the Padres to really contend, and so it is the, their time to shine. It is the time for the Padres to win. And so I kind of agree with the slogan. Um, you know, some people don't like it, but it seems like Major League Baseball wants every team to have, like, their own, like, slogan. So if that's the slogan that the Padres picked or that Major League Baseball picked for them or whatever, I'm fine with it. Let's see here. Randall says, I'm a huge Padres fan. I'm new to this, new at this. Is that the golden chain? What uh, what the golden chain, the, the shine part that you're talking about? Uh, I hope they don't bring the chain back. I really hope they don't bring that back because that obviously didn't work last year. So maybe that's some bad mojo that was going on there. Hopefully they don't bring that back. Erie uh, again says, yeah, Nick Martinez was going against the National League All-Stars. Wait, the Dodgers, sorry. Yeah, it was a stacked lineup. We'll get into that as well. Like I mentioned, we'll get into that later tonight. Uh, what Nick Martinez did, what Chris Paddock did in backfields against minor leaguers today, uh, who should be starting the next few games for the Padres, who should be pitching in those games. At least that's the plan. Uh, so, yeah, we'll definitely be uh, getting into that. Hi, Mom. How's it going? Let's see. Randall again. I think they need a better chain. I don't think they need a chain at all. It didn't work last year, so let's uh, let's slow the roll on that swag chain. Uncle Nick, what's up? St. Peter's rolls on. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty locked into the Dodger Padres spring training game. I know a lot of people were you know, locked into March Madness and all that. I mean, it's great that they beat Purdue, and it's obviously a great story, and it gives you uh, – it gives a lot of smaller programs, right? It gives them that, you know, thinking, that, you know, motivation because they can they can see that it's an example, right? That, hey, if St. Peter's a 15 seed can do it, right? Uh, you know, 56th best team in the country probably, somewhere around there. If they can do it, if they can go beat, uh, you know, Purdue and they can beat Kentucky, why can't we, you know? Um, so, yeah. That's going to be interesting to see. I think they play North Carolina next. All right, so let's get into the next topic here, uh, which is Emilio Pagan. He spoke with Dennis Lynn of The Athletic uh, in a piece that went out earlier today on uh, on The Athletic, uh, athletic.com. Spoke, uh, Lynn spoke with Emilio Pagan about last year's struggles, why he struggled, if he's been able to really like identify why he struggled last year because in a press conference after that Dodgers September 29th uh, game against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium where he gave up three home runs after that game with the media he obviously knew that he needed to get better but he was asking his teammates if he thought if they thought he was tipping pitches and no one said that no one said that he was and so it seems like he got together with an old coach of his looked at video 
uh, and it seems like he's now been able to identify why he was struggling. Pagan said that his struggles late last year weren't with velocity, uh, with the fastball is what he's talking about, but with the late, the late life on that fastball. Uh, his hand wasn't behind his head going down the mound, so instead it was out. And I'll show that on the breakdown that I'll show for the YouTube audience and play the audio that I put in, in that breakdown for the podcast audience as well. Uh, I'll show that. But his arm action, he was kind of yanking pitches, and he wasn't his posture wasn't as tall. He was showing the ball too early, and so I think pitcher and major it's for regular guys, average fans like us. If we were to stand in the box like that, Pagan would strike all of us out. But for big league guys, the best of the best, when they look and they, you know, have all that experience against major league pitchers, I think they have they know what they're doing. They know that they can they just the repetition they can spot eventually they'll be able to spot what pitch is coming based on you know the grip and all that and if they can see the ball you know if a guy's like this it's a fastball if he's more here it's kind of more of a breaking ball curveball so they're able to spot that way better than the average fan and i in the breakdown that i'll show i have i had it in slow-mo so that's not you know, obviously that's not happening real time in the game, but I slowed it down for the average fan to really see how early the, the Dodgers hitters, especially last year in that particular game, were able to see Emilio Pagan's pitch and what he was throwing and the fastball that he was throwing. And maybe that did contribute to them mashing the ball over the fence three times in that one inning on September 29th. Uh, so Pagan said to Dennis Lynn he needs to stay tall with his good posture so he doesn't yank pitches down and away. He's working on a splitter this year, and it seems like he's throwing it a little bit in bullpens and in the game. He wants it to go into righties and away to lefties, so that's another pitch to definitely look at. He spoke to you, Darvish. He has spoken to him about that splitter, and Darvish told him to not get so caught up in the action of it uh, because it will move differently in other stadiums and – when it's a dome or when they're back at Petco Park, it'll move differently than, you know, in the baking sun in Arizona during spring training. So he, Darvish was advising Pagan not to get so caught up in that. And I think that's definitely, you know, a valid point. Um, and so right now, with that said, I'll definitely move in here to the breakdown of Emilio Pagan that I put out today earlier on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, and I'll, so I'll share my screen with you for that Emilio Pagan breakdown. And for the podcast audience that's listening, I really encourage you to go look at this Emilio Pagan breakdown that I had because it is really good visually, I think, and it plays off better visually because my voice audio that I'm going to play here, it actually is, you know, it's me breaking down what I'm seeing in the video. So I think it's better if you go look at the video, again, on YouTube, it's on, it's on the Twitter page, at Talking Friars. Give that a follow, at Talking Friars on Instagram as well. Um, but without further ado, here is the breakdown of Emilio Pagan, this video that I made. I'll raise the volume up so you can hear it. And here we go. Dennis Lynn spoke with Emilio Pagan today in a Q&A. And Pagan said part of his struggles last year, especially in this game against the Dodgers, were that when he was pitching, 
the Dodgers could see his hand way too early. So as you can see here in this replay of the Muncie home run, in slow-mo, they can see that it's a fastball really, really early. He's not tall. He's kind of just yanking, and that's giving the Dodgers a really early sense of what pitch is coming. See, look. Look how early Max Muncie knows that a fastball is coming, and so that really helps him give him a little bit more time to see that it's a fastball, and then he obviously crushes it to right field. And here's the Pollock home run, and the same thing here. Look. Look how early Pagan is already yanking, and you can see that the fast they can already see the fastball. There's the Bellinger home run, the third home run that he gave up in this one inning in September. Here's a slow-mo. Pagan, right there, boom. You, he can already see that it's going to be a fastball, and he ends up crushing it. That's really why Emilio Pagan was struggling last year, at least in that game. And definitely, according to what Pagan was telling Dennis Lynn, this is exactly part of the reason why he was struggling. Pagan's right. All right, so that's the breakdown. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, so hopefully you saw that visually. Hopefully you were able to see what I was talking about and what Pagan was talking about with Dennis Lynn about the pitch and how early he was letting hitters know what that pitch, you know, what pitch was coming. And so I think he's saying that he's fixed that, it seems like, and now that he's developing the splitter, it seems like that's good. that would be a really good combination for Pagan to have a really bounce back year or at least be better than he was in, obviously, in September. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that breakdown. If you want more breakdowns, just let me know. I'll definitely – I enjoy doing that. I did that earlier this afternoon after uh, that Dennis Lynn Q&A came out because he was writing about it, but I think it's better – not better, but I think – it's a good combination to have the visual breakdown that I just did there and what Pagan said to Dennis Lynn. So props to Lynn for getting that Q&A with Pagan, uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed that visual aspect of it as well for my breakdown that I just gave you as well. Uh, Randall Porter here chiming in. You're right on that. They see his arm when you throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, they see it, – it's just – the fact of the – it's just the bottom line is – he was just showing the ball too early. And I think part of that is tipping pitches. Um, now, that's not the tipping pitches that you usually see, right? Tipping pitches usually is like maybe someone's messing with the ball so too much in the glove. And then when they do that and they throw a breaking ball or a changeup they, and they don't mess with the, the glove when it's a fastball, that's an easy tipping pitches. So I'm sure a lot of guys now, when that happens, they say they come here and they shake, and then they still throw a fastball. And then they come here, they shake, and then they throw a breaking ball. Just so it seems, you know, like you're throwing a breaking ball every time, and a fastball maybe comes. So just to make it where you're not tipping your pitches. It's just, I think the video really helps uh, guys really see when they're tipping pitches, and maybe they can do it even right in the middle of an inning, or, you know, after that half inning, and they're maybe a starter or something, they go in, see the video, or a pitching coach immediately sees something on the video in that inning and points it out to them. Then the next inning they come out and they you know, strike out the side or something. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, you were tipping pitches. So hopefully you enjoyed that. I did want to touch on that Emilio Pagan struggles and all that. Um, so 
Moving on now to the first round of cuts that were made by the San Diego Padres. Well, not cuts, demotions. I don't, I don't believe anyone was cut, but the demotions that were made by the Padres today, sending a few guys to AAA and AA, essentially sending them to the minor league side of spring training camp, uh, just to dwindle down the major league number of players that are in major league camp. Uh, so Bob Mellon and the coaching staff and A.J. Preller can really hone in on guys that still have a chance at the roster and aren't just taking up spots, uh, you know, playing in games, late in games. Because I, from what I know, those minor leaguers, they can still come and play in the spring training games if they need bodies. Uh, but right now it's March 26th on the East Coast as I record this, and so that leaves us less than two weeks before opening day. So you would think that a lot of these major league roster guys that have a chance of making it the major league roster are now going to be playing more than you know what minor league fill-in guys would be playing. Uh, just be, especially with the condensed spring training, getting guys at bats, the fifth starters, you know, rotation battle. You don't want other guys taking up, you know, spots, you know, innings from those guys. The closer competition as well. So a lot of different aspects go into that. I think dwindling down the roster obviously is, was expected, um, and that's obviously a good thing. Uh, Pedro Avila, Adrian Martinez went to Triple A. Efren Contreras uh, went to Double A. Uh, Jordan Brink, Nick Birdie, Carlos Belen, Daniel Camarena, Angel Felipe, Heath Filmeyer, Tyler Higgins, Jesse Schultons, Aaron Northcraft all go to minor league camp. Uh, Aaron Northcraft, crapped, <laughs> Aaron Northcraft, uh, and Daniel Camarena, they obviously spent time with the Padres in, uh, on the major league roster last year. Adrian Martinez seemed like. like that last starting pitcher in El Paso that might have been called up uh, if more things, more injuries happened last year in September or they didn't go to Jake Arrieta, which ended up being a failure, or didn't go to Vince Velasquez, which didn't really work out either. He probably would have been called up, but uh, he goes back down to AAA. Spent some time there. Majority of the time was in AA last year. So those were the cuts. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on that because those aren't names that a lot of Padre fans probably know, uh, but I'm probably more familiar with them than a lot of people watching or listening. Uh, and so if you want more in-depth stuff on that, let me know, and I, I can make episodes and get more in-depth in that in future episodes. But I just did. I just want to kind of mention that uh, just because that was news that I think is relevant because those are roster demotions, and now maybe you're not seeing Daniel Camarena or something like that. Uh, in a spring training game. And so maybe you're wondering, and that's probably why. Now moving on to some more notes. Uh, Ryan Weathers plans to start on Saturday. Yu Darvish plans to start Sunday. Musgrove still in play for the opening day start, Bob Melvin said earlier today before the Dodger-Padre game, saying that they can still flip those two guys' days. That's still a possibility. I mean, I would think that you Darvish starts opening day just to keep him on that every five-day thing. What's really the point of having Musgrove start opening day unless an injury happens or something? I think Musgrove is on pace to start the home opener, so you would think that they'd want to keep it like that. But again, I don't, I don't get what the point would be of switching those two guys when you're already on that five-day pace. Um, so I wouldn't expect... Musgrove to start on April 7th at, against the Diamondbacks, but 
I guess he's Bob Moen and the coaching staff still keeping that open. Um, but yeah, weather starting on Saturday, and then Garbage starting on Sunday. I believe Lamette is supposed to pitch sometime after Weathers on Saturday, uh, during Saturday's game. So those are a couple plans for the Padres this weekend. Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager, signed a three-year extension through 2025 with the Dodgers to be their manager. Obviously, talked about it last uh, the last episode, episode 133 with Jacob, talking about how Dave Roberts guaranteed a World Series victory and said to you know put that on the record. Uh, and he's very confident, and I think the manager nowadays, you know, it's a lot of front office, you know, cooperation with them and really including a lot of different viewpoints on decisions and lineups and using analytics and all that. So I think a big part in the manager now is just communicating with guys, being upfront with guys about if they're playing that day or not, if they're starting that day or not. Uh, in spring training, communicating if they really have a chance to make the roster or not, or if this is just a chance to, hey, go play hard. You got guys watching. You got A.J. Preller watching you. Well, not for Dave Roberts' sake, but just for the Padres' sake. You got A.J. Preller watching you, other front office people watching you. You have other 29 other teams probably watching you if a trade happens. So just play your butt off and see where it goes. Uh, I think a lot of it's communication. I think a lot of it's uh, just continuing to motivate guys. And speaking to the media as well, not giving up too much information as well. So I guess the Dodgers think that Dave Roberts is doing that. Um, He's obviously not made the best move sometimes in the postseason, you know, in past years. So that's definitely something to continue looking at. He doesn't have Kenley Jansen to rely on. He does have Blake Trinan. Uh, Seems like going to be the closer for them this year. Uh, but that obviously is relevant to the Padres, the Dave Roberts extension. He will be a manager playing the Padres, uh, going up against Bob Melvin for the next three years, including this year. And then Dave Roberts against the Padres for the next couple years after that. Uh, so that's a piece of news. Uh, let's get to the comments first here a little bit before we get to A.J. Preller's comments that he made. Gary Van Geek says, Pierce Johnson is underrated. I think he has some huge potential. I think he has potential. I think he can build off of last year. But at the same time, I don't think he's at, like, the top of the pecking order in terms of, like, closer role. If if that's anything that you think is a possibility, I don't think that's really a possibility. Nick says, Preller said that these guys are going – this is what they're going to go with to start the year, so he's good with Profar in the outfield. We're going to get to that as well. It's kind of a good transition. Uh, yeah, AJ Preller, I think he's good with Profar in the outfield. He was talking about he's talk he was talking him up on extra thirteen sixty earlier today with the Darren Smith show. He was talking him up, saying that this is pretty much the roster they're going to go with. Uh, that's what it seems like right now, and he's was lauding Profar for the versatility and what he did in two thousand twenty. He didn't really mention what he did in 2021, which wasn't much, uh, but that he obviously wants to pump up the players and the public, um, so that wasn't too, uh, you know, out of this ordinary for Preller to say. Let's see here. Randall Porter says, I worried about Chris. Chris Paddock, I assume, is what you're saying. We'll get to him as well. He pitched three innings today. I don't believe he gave up a run uh, on the minor league backfield. So it seems like they're rotating between Paddock and Martinez pitching in the actual spring training games every five days. They're both pitching every five days, 
but it seems just to be in fairness, they're rotating those two guys, it seems like. So you would think Paddock, now that Martinez faced the Dodgers earlier tonight, you would think that Paddock faces the next opponent, the next, you know, in the next five days, the next five-day turn. So we'll see about that. Uh, so moving on to the A.J. Preller interview that he had with Darren Smith earlier today. A couple tidbits here, a few tidbits. When he was asked about the lack of moves that the Padres have made, he mentioned how good the team was for uh, a significant period of time last season. You know, how they were contenders, wildcard team, had those really competitive series with the Dodgers, obviously, swept the Dodgers at one point, the series I was at, or one of the series I was at. Really competitive games against them. And then mention how they're getting guys back, kind of like I, how I've mentioned on previous episodes. Like you, you wouldn't think that the injuries would happen for a second consecutive year. You know, getting Darvish back healthy, Snell back healthy. It seems like uh, getting Paddock back healthy, Nola back healthy, Clevenger obviously I think is a big X factor. Getting him back healthy. Hopefully you get Drew Pomerantz back at some point. So he was referencing getting guys back healthy. So that's going to improve a team, improve their team uh, at some point. Obviously, the Tatis coming back will be huge, but again, that doesn't make them better, per se, in comparison to last year. You're just adding a guy back. That's Anyone who makes the comparison that, oh, this is going to be a great trade deadline addition, essentially. Well, it's not a trade deadline addition. You're just getting back someone from the IL. That's not, you're not, that's not improving the team based on last year, if that makes sense. So uh, another thing he talked about, He's been close. The Potters have been close on some moves, making some of these moves, but they just didn't match up at the end of the day. Obviously, they made the Luke Voigt deal. That matched up, but he wasn't really close on some deals. Or he was close, excuse me. He was close on some deals, but ended up not pulling the trigger. Uh, the, tr- the trigger. Uh, so I, w- I would expect what he means by that is probably uh, that teams wanted some prospects that he wasn't willing to give up. And maybe a Hosmer deal. That would be my guess. Uh, maybe a Jesse Winker deal. They were close and couldn't line up. Maybe they've been talking about Austin Meadows and they haven't been able to line up. Or Cedric Mullins, they haven't been able to line up in prospects or something like that. So maybe that's something that they're talking about. We'll see. That's what Preller, maybe that's what Preller is referencing. Um, but that is a comment that he made. Again, being close doesn't matter. It's about what you it's about what the move, you know, the moves that you end up making. And he's made two moves this post lockout Voight with the DH, which was a good move, it seems like. And then Nick Martinez, and it seems like an overpay. He pitched well tonight, which we'll get to. But at the same time, uh, the offer, the fact of the matter is, the offer was $5.5 million greater than what it was pre-lockout when it when they reached an agreement but they just didn't get the paperwork on time so i'm still fascinated by why the offer increased by five and a half million when martinez was already in agreement with the padres so that's another five and a half million that you can't spend elsewhere so i'm still fascinated by that um in terms of budget preller said he's always sat down with ownership peter seiler ron fowler prior to ron fowler stepping down uh, to discuss the budget, and Peter is open-minded to adding or subtracting from what he wants the payroll to be. Uh, I would, ex- and in terms of the budget this year, uh, look, I think it's pretty clear that they don't want to go over that two hundred thirty million dollar luxury tax number, that where they get taxed thirty percent. 
because they've gone they went over it last year. And by the way, they went over it by acquiring Daniel Hudson. It's not like they acquired Max Scherzer for it. They acquired Daniel Hudson for it. That obviously didn't work out. That's the move that got them over it. So imagine they don't make that move, and now they probably would might be more willing to go over it because they wouldn't be paying 30%. They'd be paying a lower percent of it. I forget how much, but it would be significantly lower than 30% of how much they go over. Um, so I think with the fam, them not really going after fam aggressively, uh, you know, not getting Nelson Cruz, they don't want. They didn't want to go over to. They don't want to go over the competitive balance luxury tax, and I think maybe they're still open minded to it. But I think it really has to be a move like Cedric Mullins, an all star player, where they're like, okay, well, this guy could really be a big game changer for us in the outfield. This outfield situation isn't great right now, and it doesn't seem like it's great right now. Look, if he. If the Padres get someone like Cedric Mullins, I think maybe they'd be willing to go over it. I don't have his contract numbers in front of me if that would e- if they would even go over it for. But like Austin Meadows, they wouldn't go over it. He's like $4 million in arbitration, so I think they'd still be good there. Uh, but we'll see if they do go over it, but it seems like they do have a budget right now inside they're saying don't go over it unless you bring up a trade or a signing to me and this guy really can – put them over the top and I don't see anyone available right now that's a realistic trade where the Padres don't have to give up too much or a free agent signing where they don't have to sign a guy for so much that would really be worth it there's a lot of guys off the board that you could make the argument would have been some you know really big difference makers Uh, he also said he feels like like uh, my uncle Nick, he said earlier uh, in the comments, feels like the current roster is the group that they're most likely to go with. Not going to force a trade is what you know Preller was saying to Darren Smith today, and uh, it's expected. I don't want to say that. It, I mean, it's maybe it's a little disappointing that you know they're going in with that mindset now, but it's not. It's not really that disappointing when you consider that a bunch of the guys that they were targeting are gone now. It's not like there's Castellanos or Brian and Suzuki and Cruz still out there and he's saying it like this. He's saying it like this. They're expecting the roster to be like this, you know, after guys are gone. Like, they don't really have many options. Things aren't lining up for them. So while it kind of stinks that, you know, Profar's that seems like he's going to be the left fielder at the same time, it's it's expected. You know, if, if you really are in tune with the team like I, like I am, you know, with the payroll and the moves and guys available and not available and trades that might happen or not happen, you know, not happen, look, it doesn't seem likely that something's going to happen. So it's not really that surprising that Preller did make that comment saying that, look, it seems like this team is the team that we're going to go with, this group of players in camp. Um, now, obviously, the C.J. Abrams, the – Backup catcher, the closer, the fifth starter, all that is going to, you know, to, to, be, to be determined. But in terms of the guys that are in camp right now, that's what they're going with. doesn't seem like they're lining up with the Eric Hosmer trade at all or Will Myers trade at all. So that seem, this seems like the team that they're going to go with. Uh, in terms of Blake Snell and all the questions about him being behind other guys because of the lockout and him not wanting to, you know, continue pitching because he didn't know how the, long, the lockout was going to go. How long the lockout was going to go, Preller said that Snell looks good in his throwing program, and he thinks we'll see 
pitchers around the league go 60 or so pitches kind of that first time through at uh, the start of the season. And so he's kind of defending Blake saying, look, other pitchers in the league are going to be doing the same thing that he is. And, you know, at the same – so he's trying to defend uh, Snell, right? And obviously, like I mentioned earlier, that's the expected thing to do, the PR play, right? You're defending your guys, trying to make your guys look really good. Uh, but it's hard to make him look good. Like I, I'm trying to make a positive out of Blake Snell that he's you know ramping up slowly because this is less innings that he's going to have early on in the season, right? And this is maybe more innings that he can add on for you know seven inning starts you know later in the year. Uh, so I'm trying to take it from a positive, optimistic viewpoint there. While I know a lot of other fans are like. This is inexcusable. Other guys in the rotation are are being built up. They're going to be ready, and you're not. We're paying you this money. You're supposed to be like our second-best starter, and it doesn't seem like you care. You were playing video games during the whole lockout. And while I understand where they're coming from, and it is a little frustrating, I view it from the viewpoint of, look, this could keep them healthy and could keep other guys healthy and not have to throw as many uh, innings. And only one guy is going to earn that fifth spot who's built up, whether that's Nick Martinez or Mackenzie Gore or Chris Paddock. Those seem like the three guys. So one or two of those other guys that end up not getting that, they could piggyback Snell. And I think that could be a good combination as well until Snell is built up. So I'm trying to take it from more of an optimistic viewpoint with Snell. Um, And Preller obviously is as well. Uh, But I don't – with that said, I still don't want to – excuse what Snell did, but I think Snell, look, he's a veteran. I think he knows what he's doing, Uh, and I think some of it might be a little inexcusable. Like, I feel like I'm going back and forth on this, but at the same time, like, I'm trying to think of this positively, and maybe I wouldn't be thinking of this as positively if, let's say, Nick Martinez and Chris Paddock aren't pitching well in spring training, or Mackenzie Gore continues to not pitch well like he did last year in spring training. Maybe I'd have a different viewpoint. But in terms of the way things are going right now, that's kind of how I view it. Uh, on a funny note, Preller went to a Dua Lipa concert. Uh, my brother Cameron, I guess, likes Dua Lipa a lot. I'm not a music guy, so I don't know her. I think it's a, a her. I think it's a girl, but Preller, I guess, went to a Dua Lipa concert, and Darren asked AJ about that, and AJ said it was a good concert, and AJ's like me, he's not a big music guy, he's not a music expert, but he said that uh, Dua runs a good concert, Uh, so there you go, Cameron, if you're listening or watching, or you see a clip of it, there you go, mention Dua Lipa there, Um, but moving on here, let's move to... All right, let's look through the chat first here, uh, and then we'll move to the fifth starter competition and how that went today, earlier today, with Paddock and Nick Martinez. Erie Fan Geek says, Dave Roberts better knock on wood. He said he guarantees a World Series victory. Hashtag beat LA. That's right. Beat LA. Sweep LA. That was on the Jumbotron last year after they swept LA. Hopefully they can do that again. Uh, yeah. I get that he's confident. He has arguably, like, it seems like on paper, like, the best lineup ever. But he better, you know, whenever those predictions are made, it seems like they don't really end up well. So, yeah, he better knock on wood. 
Daniel, what's up? He says, uh, with the crazy investment in our rotation, I don't even mind if they stay like this. However, it would be nice to go get Austin Meadows or another outfielder, it seems like is what he's saying, via trade. It would be nice, but again, it's what Preller's saying. It seems like they're just going with this crop of guys. Things aren't lining up for him, and he's not going to force a trade. He, he values Robert Hassel. He likes him. And he's not going to give up C.J. Abrams. It doesn't seem like he's going to give up Gore now. He's not going anywhere the way he's pitching. He's not going to give up uh, Hassel, it seems like. He could be a potential five-tool outfielder, future you know, center fielder for the Padres down the line, maybe even as early as 2023. So he's not going to give up on him. And maybe he's willing to part with Camposano. But I think other teams don't want to have a firm DH. And that seems like what Camposano will be. And what he's going to be. Because Camp Sana right now, he has stunk defensively. Uh, the other day, he's caught, I think, once only. And he stunk that time. You know, dropping a pop-up or not even touching his glove. You know, botched a pitch that he should have caught and went to the backstop. I think this game was against the Angels in Peoria. So, I think that things aren't lining up. And he doesn't want to get rid of his top three prospects, at least. And I agree with him. Let's see here. Zar says, weak lineups have won the World Series, not so much with weak pitching. Our staff is healthy, can take us there. I think so. Right now, I think the Dodgers are a better team than the Padres. I think the bottom half of the lineup isn't great. Uh, Jorge Alfaro hitting is definitely going to help. Austin Nola, if he stays healthy, probably will help, at least like average-wise maybe, and getting on base. But obviously... The bullpens might be even right now. Um, the rotation, I'm going with the Padres, you know, one through five. I mean, they're one through seven pretty solid right now is what it seems like. The lineup, I'm going with the Dodgers. Uh, so it's an interesting uh, debate to have who's the better team if you really look at it. Like casual fans – They'll look at it and say, oh, it's the Dodgers because they look at the lineup. They look at Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw at the top of their rotation. But a baseball team is more than that. It's the bullpen. You know, how much of an effect is losing Kenley Jansen for them? It's the bottom of the rotation. How much of how, – how really effective will Tony Gonsolin or Andrew Heaney or Tyler Anderson be for them at the back end of that rotation? You know, where the Padres have Mike Clevenger in the back of their rotation. You know, they have Nick Martinez, who only gave up one run to them, which we'll get to later tonight, that he only gave up one run to them. So we'll see about that. Czar says, Hassel is, a poss is possible if it makes sense. I wouldn't give up on Hassel like I mentioned earlier. Erie says, seems like the players that are fighting for a job are doing well in spring training and the ones who are guaranteed a spot are struggling. Is that coincidence? Um, maybe, maybe not. I mean, Clevenger's guaranteed a spot. I know he's played in a, in a minor league game, or I mean a, a real spring training game. He's only played in minor league games, but he seems he's pitching well. Hugh Darvish is pitching well. Uh, I know you're talking about probably what, Hosmer and, or Myers, Grisham, but Hosmer's playing well uh, in spring training. So I don't know about that, to be honest. Austin Nola seems like he's playing, playing pretty well. So maybe it's just a coincidence. I, I'd probably lean towards that. All right, let's get to 
The fifth starter competition, I uh, mentioned Paddock, Martinez seemed like the two real options. Uh, Paddock today against minor leaguers, he went three innings, gave up no hits, no runs, four strikeouts, walked one guy, so he was solid there. But again, it was against minor leaguers. Clevenger pitched really well against minor leaguers the other day, so you don't want to take too much from it. But in total, in his spring training start, you know, in an actual spring training game, uh, earlier this March and today in that minor league game, five innings, two hits, one run, six strikeouts, and one walk. His total uh, work this spring training in games. So Paddock looks like he's pitching well and coming off the UCL injury. Look, Pat, anyone who knows me personally, Paddock is one of my favorite players. And I really hope that he can rebound. And Jacobs... You know, said on episode 134, he would think that Paddock has the upper hand. I kind of disagree. I think Martinez does because it wouldn't be that great of a look if Martinez, they gave him $25.5 million and he doesn't make the rotation when that's presumably what they signed him to do is to be that fifth starter. While Paddock, I think he could still piggyback Snell or someone like that uh, and still, you know, do a job, right? And I think a lot of people have, you know, are just going to get what they get from Paddock. I still believe in Paddock. I want to make that very clear. But I think Martinez still has the upper hand a little bit there. Seems like the Padres really love Mar Nick Martinez. Uh, but Pat Paddock, he's pitched well in spring training, and I think he's, de he's firmly in that fifth rotation battle along with Nick Martinez, who, which we'll get to now, in Friday's game, which ended up being a 5-5 tie against the, Padre, or the Padres and the Dodgers, Padres playing the Dodgers at the Dodgers spring training uh, stadium. Nick Martinez first started spring training. Uh, first inning, he struck out Mookie Betts, gave up a home run to Freddie Freeman. I'll show that. Walked Trey Turner, then struck out Max Muncy on a nasty changeup, which I'll show as well. And then he got Will Smith to ground out to third on a force-out 5-4. 26 pitches in that first inning. In the second inning, he got Justin Turner to fly out, Cody Bellinger to strike out. Bellinger is like Myers right now. He's kind of struggled in spring training. Uh, let's see. He got A.J. Pollock to walk. Yeah, he walked A.J. Pollock. Gavin Lux flew out deep to uh, left field. Trace Thompson made a really good play. In the third inning, three up, three down to end his first spring training start. Got Mookie Betts to line out. Freddie Freeman to ground out after giving up the home run, so he kind of adjusted there. And then got Trey Turner to ground out the third. Uh, so his final line, three innings, gave him one run to that Freddie Freeman home run. One hit, two walks, three strikeouts on 55 pitches. Again, so he and Paddock pretty much the same thing. You know, gave, they've given up one run in spring training so far, so pretty encouraging, and it's neck and neck. Uh, when I was watching Nick Martinez, and I'll show some highlights for the YouTube audience, um, he really gives up some Jake Arrieta vibes to me, at least, you know, at the start of his prime. Hopefully Nick Martinez is going to be in his prime at the Padres. That's kind of the vibes I, you know, that I'm seeing, you know, with the tall posture, you know, the windup that he has. And we'll see that here in the highlights that I show. Uh, but to get to that Freddie Freeman home run, let's sh I'll show that first here. I'll share my screen for the YouTube audience here. Here is Freddie Freeman's home run that Nick Martinez gave up. 
first inning. So, look, this, for anyone, the podcast audience, so this pitch barely gets out, by the way. I do want to mention that. It is in Arizona. Um, and, look, he wants it down. Yeah, maybe it was a little bit middle of the plate. Uh, so maybe he missed his spot a little bit. But that's pretty good to me. And Freddie Freeman's one of the best, the better oppo hitters in baseball. So I'm not quite sure if that pitch would have gone out if it was Mookie Betts up at the plate or someone like that. Freddie Freeman's incredibly powerful. That was his first unofficial home run, you know, in a Dodger uniform. Uh, so I'm not too mad about that. Like Freddie Freeman, one of the best oppo hitters in the league, like I just mentioned. And he hit his spot a little pretty good there. I know it was middle of the plate, but that's pretty much, it's not like Austin Nola wanted the pitch like inside and it ended up, you know, floating over the middle of the plate. That, that was pretty much the area that Austin Nola wanted it. Um, and to get to, let's get to Nick Martinez, some of his Nick Martinez highlights here from his start. And I really, what I, look, he had, like I mentioned, he had that tall, uh, you know, high posture. He struck out Mookie Betts. Uh, he had the Max Muncy changeup. Uh, that strikeout that he had, that changeup was absolutely nasty. So for the YouTube audience, here is some highlights. Striking out Mookie Betts there with the fastball, first pitcher of the game. Boom, there he goes. Max Muncy, here's the nasty changeup. I mean, falls off the table. I mean, here it is again. Falls off the table, struck him out in the first inning there. Sit your butt down, Max Muncy. Here's Cody Bellinger, who's really struggled as well. Look, that tall posture strikes him out. Fastball up and in. And look, he kind of, he hit a spot there. Here it is. Austin Nola wants it up and in, and he hit the spot perfectly. I keep replaying here for the YouTube audience just to show you. He hit a spot pretty well there with the fastball, and he looks really good. He looked good. Look, I'm not going to get down on the Freddie Freeman home run. Look, that guy is one of the best pitchers in the league, just won a World Series. I'm not going to get mad at that. It's a spring training start. You know, Freddie Freeman, again, it's Freddie Freeman. He's the fifth starter. You know, we're not. I'm not expecting him. Look, especially when I thought and a lot of other people thought that this was probably an overpay, I'm not expecting Nick Martinez, if he gets the fifth starter spot, to come in and be – you Darvish, or come in and be Randy Jones, you know, or come in and be Jake Peavy in 2006 or 2007 when he won the Cy Young and the Triple Crown, pitching Triple Crown. I'm expecting him to come in, especially against a Dodger lineup like that. You give up one run, I'm a happy camper, and Padre fans should be a happy camper as well. Like, this is, you know, going into the season, this is like one of the best lineups, if not the best lineup ever, you know, in like the modern era. You know, with Justin Turner and Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Will Smith and Freddie Freeman and A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock hitting eighth. Cody Bellinger, a former MVP. I know he's struggling, but he's still a former MVP. Still pretty young. Uh, they have him. Chris Taylor as a utility guy. Still really clutch in that wild card game, hitting that walk-off home run to send him uh, to the NLDS to play the Giants last year in the postseason. So their lineup stacked. They have a lot of resources at their disposal offensively. And so giving up one run like he did today, I know it was only three innings, but if he gets up one or two runs, look, I'm just looking from quality starts, especially when he's facing the Dodgers. Same with Paddock. If he gets the fifth starter spot or if he 
pitches bulk innings in a piggyback role, or same with Martinez or Gore. I'm, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for. I mean, giving up no runs or one run, that's great. But two or three runs, I think that you know eventually that should be able to get the job done, especially when Fernando gets back um, and maybe Grisham gets a bounce back year. Someone like Nola stays healthy. Alfaro maybe hits. Void obviously in the lineup add more power. So I think that'll get the job done. That's my expectation. Like especially against the great teams, that's what you want. And that's what it seems like Nick Martinez and Chris Paddock are doing right now. I get, I don't want to overreact. It's spring training. It's two starts for Paddock. One, including on a minor league backfield that no one was watching televised. And then Nick Martinez, one televised start, you know, against uh, the Dodgers in a spring training game where maybe hitters are working on things. So I don't want to overreact to this, but these are the two guys that are fighting for that fifth spot in the rotation. And so... I'm not going to lie here and say it's not encouraging. It's encouraging that they're pitching they're pitching pretty well. Um, so let's go to now just talk about this game. Or no, no, no. Nick Martinez, I did want to touch on. He made some comments uh, after the game, and I like this. You know, he really wanted to attack the Dodgers, wasn't afraid of them, pitching against them in spring training. I know some teams – want to hold back their starting pitchers uh, against division rivals because they don't want to see them on film or whatever or have recent you know, experience against them. But Nick Martinez, this was a guy that Bob Melvin wanted. This was a guy that Bob Melvin really wanted uh, to pitch against the Dodgers, get that experience, and really see what he's got fighting for that fifth spot in the rotation. And Martinez said after the game, you know, he admitted like, hey, we're going to face the Dodgers a lot. Why be afraid of them? You know, let's go attack them. Why not? You know, what's the point of being afraid? Essentially what he was saying. We're going to have to play them. So why not get experience now? Right? Why not get experience now? Um, and so I like that mentality. Uh, and in terms of what happened in this game, Grisham let off the game at the single. That's the one hit he and Will Myers had this whole spring training. And then Austin Nola homered to left field. Here is that home run for the YouTube audience. Put that up shortly. All right. Here's the home run. Austin Nola hit off Julio Urias. Middle in, just line drive pretty much. Barely got over the fence. Pretty much where Freddie Freeman hit the home run. Uh, but, hey, you know, it's a home run. And Austin, I'm not going to count on Austin Nola to give, you know, give me, Padre fans, the Padres, a whole lot of power. Uh, but at the same time, look, if he, can, if he can stay healthy, that is the main key to me. That's the main key, him stay healthy, get on base, you know, singles, maybe some doubles. Look, what he commands a pitching staff really well. I think he really has some good relationships with those uh, pitchers on the roster. And so I think... A big, the big key with Nola is, look, he's probably the best defensive catcher there on the team. And if he can stay healthy, that's what the Padres are going to want. You know, that you've got in Luke Voigt for a reason to have some power in there. Um, and if Austin Nola pokes some home runs, good. And you can have Jorge Alfaro as well in there as, you know, for more power, which I'm going to get to right now. He hit another home run. It's his third home run of spring. His third home run of spring, 
Um, and here is Jesse Agler with the call on Potter's Radio. Notably from both Mackenzie Gore and Denelson Lamette. Alfaro skies this one to left field. He has done it again. A no-doubter over the bullpen in left. Moonshot for Alfaro, his third of the spring. And the Padres have hit two home runs in two innings against Julio Urias. They lead it 3-1. to one. Alfaro continues to hammer the baseball. Yes, he does. Two opposite field jacks. This one to the pool side. Gets up over that berm they have in left field. A bomb for... Yeah, so there's the Jorge Alfaro home run, third home run of spring. Uh, he is really, really playing well. Uh, Bob Melvin has committed to him as being only catching, you know, as for now. Uh, so it seems like he, if he continues to hit here, that seems like your backup catcher. You know, with the 28-man roster, you can put Caratini on the roster still if you want him to catch Darvish or whatever or in Musgrove, or whoever, uh, but they need more offense in this lineup, especially with Fernando out, and if Alfaro's going to continue hitting like this, he's hitting, I believe, a little over under 500 so far in his first, you know, action in spring training, three home runs already, and he crushed this home run against the Dodgers today. If he continues hitting like this, he's the backup catcher in my mind. Like, Luke Voigt is going to be the primary DH, so he can't be the DH because Voigt's going to be there, uh, but what I was thinking as I was watching this game and just thinking here uh, before coming on here live, what if Hosmer continues to struggle, you know, ground balls, strikeouts, and they put Luke Voigt, you can have him at first base, you can have Jake at second, and you can have extra power in that lineup. If you want Nola to still be better defensively than Alfaro at catcher, you can put him there down in the lineup. You can have Alfaro DH and just not have Hosmer in the lineup. You can have Voigt at first. You still have your all-star infield, Manny, Cronenworth. You have Voigt with power, better hitter overall than Hosmer at first, and pretty much probably the same defensively. Then you can have Alfaro with more power than Hosmer and a better hitter right now, it seems like, than Hosmer in that DH hole. I think that could be a better power uh, combination, especially against... Uh, left-handed hit uh, left-handed pitchers so maybe that's a possibility as well I don't know if Bob Melvin when he's saying that he is envisioning Alfaro only as a catcher if he's saying if that's just the question about playing left field which is obviously being brought up because of the lack of you know outfield depth or if he's meaning no he's not even going to DH either it's only going to be catcher uh, not DH. Now, I think that would be a bad idea. I think you need to be open-minded with the DH spot. Look, if he continues to hit like this, and if he and if he isn't great defensively, look, the Padres need to win games, and the best way for them to win games then, especially now, if Hosmer plays well, then he will play first base. I understand that, but I'm just saying, if Hosmer continues to not play well like he has in the Padre uniform, I think the best combination is having, especially against left-handed hitter uh, pitchers, Voigt first, Alfaro DH, Nola catching. I think that's probably the best scenario. Again, if all things are going the way they are, I think that's the best maybe combination. That's just my thoughts. Again, in the comments on YouTube, Talking Fires on Twitter, Instagram, 
Let me know what you think of that combination. I'd love to have that discussion. But uh, the second at bat, Alfaro lined out to center. Uh, as for the rest of the game, Julio Arias started for the Dodgers. He's going to be probably their second starter, maybe third starter, with Bueller and Kershaw there at the top of their rotation. Went two innings, gave up three earned runs. Obviously, on the Alfaro and Nola home runs. Three hits, didn't walk anyone, struck out four. Uh, C.J. Abrams, obviously a big talking point for Padres fans if he's going to make the opening day roster. And if he does, you would think it would be as a starter. You don't want to just have him on the bench and waste his clock, his service time, just to have him be on the bench. We could, he could be getting more consistent at-bats uh, you know, in the minor leagues. Uh, but as for today, he came in for Cronenworth in the fourth inning, played some second base, I believe. Struck out on a fastball up in the sixth, also struck out in the eighth as well. Um, so again, the fastball up, you know, in his first at-bat today, that was, um, you know, that's a concern for the pot. Not a concern. I would say it's something that the Padres are evaluating and something that could be a very valid excuse for the Padres to not have Abrams on the roster, you know, on opening day and say, hey, look, CJ, he's a great prospect, but we want him to have more time facing velocity in AAA. And then if he continues, if he shows us that he can hit off of them, then we'll bring him up. You know, that's something that if could happen. And like I mentioned yesterday on episode 124, or yeah, 133, uh, like I mentioned, if CJ continues on the trajectory that he is and he continues to play well, I think he's on the roster. Because they need to win. But if he, you know, doesn't fare well against Major League Velocity, which is what he's going to be facing now the next two, less than two weeks because of the ramp up and now it's closer to the season. If he struggles with that, it's just, it just gives the Potters a lot of reasons that they can say, okay, he's not ready. You know, we'll bring him, we'll put him in AAA, you know, and we'll save some of his clock, you know, service time. So that's something to look at. Uh, again, this is one spring training game, but that is something obviously to look at. Hassan Kim is a different thing because he's already on the major league roster. Already he's making $28 million over four years. He's on the roster. Now you just have to hope that he, you know, improves against velocity. He was working on it in the offseason. While with CJ, you obviously want to hope that he works better with velocity as well. But if he doesn't, he, you can still have him in the minor leagues and not taking up a roster spot. So that was what, what happened with CJ. Uh, in the eighth inning, Jose Azucar hit a two-run double to center, made it 5-3 Padres. David Mann for the Dodgers off Ray Kerr, who Ray Kerr, the Padres, acquired in that Autumn Frazier deal to the Mariners. Uh, he got a two-run homer in the eighth to tie the game 5-5. That's what the score ended up being. Again, no one cares what the score was because the spring training game result score does not matter. Uh, but just wanted to catch you up on that. Um, Melvin also said today that he's leaning towards Trent Grisham as the leadoff hitter. He's comfortable there. That's what I think is going to happen. I know Grisham is struggling in spring training, but again, it's spring training. I don't want to put too much into that. Again, the next you know week and a half, whatever, however much longer there is until opening day, that's going to tell more to me than what uh, Grisham and Myers do you know, in spring training right now. Uh, but I would expect him to be the lead, leadoff hitter, especially with Fernando out, because if he isn't, who are you going to put leadoff? Especially if CJ doesn't make the roster. So you're going to put Cronenworth leadoff? No. Myers isn't a leadoff hitter. 
Manny's not a leadoff hitter. Kim definitely isn't a leadoff hitter. Who are you going to put there? You know, so I think Grisham is like pretty one of like the only options to put at leadoff. Uh, Robert Suarez, who is a closer candidate, closed in Japan, was a signing along with Luis Garcia in the offseason. Uh, he allowed a hit, walked two batters today in, in a minor league backfield game today. I think he pitched one inning in a spring training game earlier this spring. So that's a guy to keep you know, track of. And Lamette, Denelson Lamette, another close ca- closer candidate. He is scheduled to pitch tomorrow on Saturday, March 26th, sometime after Ryan Weathers starts. Um, so I think Ryan Weathers starts. I believe I said that earlier today. Yeah, starts Saturday. Yep, weather starts tomorrow. So Lamette should come in maybe after him, right after him, or some. he will come in, it seems like, sometime after him. Pitched a scoreless inning last time out. I think it was against the Angels a few days ago. So Lamette, look, I don't think it's smart for them to put him as a closer right out of the gate because inevitably he's going to have to pitch back-to-back-to-back games. I think it's good to ease him in. But if they do want to have him close some games, you know, and give Pagan a rest, if they end up going Pagan the closer role, I'm up for that. Um, but I think Lamette, again, just continue to watch him. The Potters are going to continue to watch him. I don't think he's, you know, a starting rotation candidate at all, obviously. If they're thinking about closer, then they're not thinking about rotation. They're not thinking about probably bulk innings. That could be a possibility later down the line, but I think. Sticking one inning with him right now is the best thing to do. Whether that's seven, eight, nine is to be determined. We're sixth, whenever that is. Uh, but we'll see. Lamette's, uh will pitch tomorrow on Saturday. So look through the comments here before we get out of here. Hopefully you've learned a lot out of this episode. Episode 134, sponsored by uh, Gaglion Bros, Famous Cheesesteaks and Subs. Let's see here. Nick says, Freeman rakes oppo. Yeah, I was talking about that. I'm not concerned about the home run Nick Martinez gave up to him. He's like the Tony Gwynn these days of oppo hitters. He's just great oppo-wise. So, Randall has a question. What is that question? Go ahead, Randall. As we wait for that question to come in. uh, So, again, weather starting on Saturday. You Darvish starting on Sunday. Musgrove still in play for that opening day start. Emilio Pagan seems like he's figured out what he has, uh, what he struggled with last year. He's developing a splitter, so maybe he'll be using that in some spring training games. You know, as we get closer to opening day, April seventh. Bob Melvin, obviously non-committal on the closer as well. Um, So again, it's. Definitely a lot of things up in the air. Randall asks, who is the best option? What is the best option for the team for left field? Right now, I mean, it seems like Profar. Uh, I know Profar is not great defensively there, but I'm putting, I'm keeping into account what Bob Melvin is saying. Like, what's the best realistic option? Alfaro is not a realistic option based on what Bob Melvin is saying. Because he's saying that, Bob Mel- or he's saying that Alfaro is not an option to start in left field, so I'm not including him. And then Nomar Mazzara, there's a reason why I still tend to believe there's a reason why no one else gave him a major league contract. The Padres didn't even give him that. They gave him a minor league contract. There's a reason for that. Um, so, And that reason is he's not great defensively. 
He's sporadic hitting-wise, wasn't great with the White Sox when he was on uh, with a major league deal for them. It was years, years, and years ago where he hit 20 home runs with the Rangers for a few years there. So he's not even a sure thing. I think he's a fourth outfielder for the team right now. So the best option seems like Profar, and that's where we are right now. That's where Preller seems to be right now. That's where the Padres as a whole seem to be right now, and that's what it looks like is going to happen. So we'll see. Again, it's something to really keep an eye on. The left field, who ends up getting that? Starting pitching, fifth spot, who ends up there? Do they end up piggybacking someone behind uh, behind Snell? Is Lamette, Suarez, Garcia, uh, uh Pagan, who ends up being the closer. You know, there's backup catcher. Do they get? Do they bring Caratini onto the roster? We'll see. So thank you so much, everyone, for watching on YouTube. Again, hit that subscribe button so we can get to those Super Chats. I know some people want those. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that like button. Download the podcast, YouTube, or on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Talking Fires on Twitter, Talking Fires on Instagram. Ben Fadden here signing off. I appreciate everyone watching in on replay, on live, podcast. Have a great night. Stay safe. And let's go Padres. Until next time, see ya.